All right, Alexander, let's talk about what is happening in the Middle East and let's uh, discuss the possible um, invasion, incursion of uh, Israel, the IDF, into Rafah. It's a very small uh, piece of, of territory in the, in, the, in the south of Gaza, which, uh, which is where um, most of the Palestinians now have had to uh, go to, to seek refuge. And it's bordering Egypt, and um, Netanyahu has signaled that he's going to, to go into Rafah. And uh, this could be uh, a, a huge uh, humanitarian catastrophe. Um, even even uh, Cameron, even Biden, even Annalena Baerbach have voiced their opposition and concern about this latest development of the IDF uh, entering Rafah. Of course, Saudi Arabia has issued warnings. Of course, Egypt has issued warnings. Uh, what's your take on the uh, situation that is developing? Well, if the first thing to say is that from Netanyahu's point of view, he must be hearing all of these people telling him, don't go to, to Rafa, don't launch this attack on Rafa. And he must be saying, well, you know, you've supported me as I've carried out all of these other offensives across the Gaza Strip, what is different ultimately about Rafa? I can't complete my job if I don't go to Rafa because that's the main, most populated area now of the Gaza Strip. Obviously, Hamas is still in existence in some form. There's arguments about how much of it there still is, but there's talk that 80% of its tunnels are still intact. Most of its fighters... Uh, may or may not be um, active still. Um, there's, they're still able to use the tunnels to infiltrate back into northern Gaza, where apparently they'd been driven out from, or so the Israelis thought. So he's going to say is, look, I, if I'm going to achieve the victory, which you encouraged me to seek, you always told me that you backed me, I have to go to Rafa, because if I don't, Hamas survives, and Hamas is able then to move out of Rafa and reinfiltrate the rest of the Gaza Strip. So he's, he's got this imperative, which is to complete the war, a political imperative, to complete the war in Gaza, in the Gaza, to achieve victory there. And that logic is pushing him towards launching that operation in Rafa. And he's got all of those officials, his ministers, people like Ben Gear, Ben Gvir and Smotrich, all of these hardliners within his cabinet, who are insisting upon it. And of course he needs them in order to hold his government together. So it's not surprising ultimately that the Israelis are moving towards this. And it is highly likely that at some point over the next couple of days, they will begin it. The problem is that having originally given Netanyahu that blank check back in October, when the option existed not to do so, all of these governments, the British government, the German government, the American government, are now horrified because, of course, they realise that if the operation in Rafa does take place, and there are massive civilian casualties, 
the Middle East, people in the Middle East are already very angry. Already the United States is tied up bombing various positions in the Middle East, which is making people angrier still. The Iraqi government is talking about the need for American troops to leave. The Houthis apparently are undeterred. All of this. So there's going to be a huge amount of criticism in the Middle East. Western publics, especially European publics, but some people in the US as well, are going to become even more critical. And what's hanging now over everything is we are two weeks away from the ICG deadline that was given to Israel to take steps to um, avoid the possibility of a genocide happening in Gaza. We're getting reports from various officials from Gaza saying that the Israelis have done nothing, that their conduct is exactly the same as always. If an operation begins in Rafa, which causes more horrendous civilian casualties on the eve of the expiry of the deadline by the ICJ, it could be open for the South Africans and other countries that are now joining this case to start asking the ICJ to make further decisions based on the decisions that it already has. It could very easily go to the General Assembly. And, of course, we're now getting hints from this chief prosecutor of the International Criminal Court, Karim Khan, who has been careful to sit on his hands throughout this crisis up to this point. Anyway, he's now under immense pressure and he's just been publishing a series of tweets in which he's basically hinting that indictments of Israeli officials by the ICC might be just round the corner. I think he's waiting. I think Karim Khan doesn't want to go there. But if there's no compliance within, you know, the next two weeks, and, of course, if there's this attack on Rafa, there cannot be, and the ICC starts making, expressing concern and referring the case back to the Security Council, and it goes to the General Assembly, and the General Assembly then makes further mandatory orders, then the ICC may feel it has no choice if it's going to retain any international credibility at all, other than to issue indictments. And my guess is those indictments would initially be against lower-ranking and middle-level Israeli officials. They'll be very nervous about going after the politicians. But when that starts to happen, the pressure grows and it grows upwards. So this is, again, a disaster, a debacle, but it flows directly from those bad decisions that were made back in October, which we warned about, and which, of course, Biden, Baerbock, Cameron, all of those people turned around and did the opposite. Yeah, there, there really is no, no way out of this, uh, this conflict that's, that's going to be provided, at least from the collective West. That's obvious. Um, if there's going to be some sort of, uh, of resolution to this conflict, it's going to have to come from the UN with the, 
the cooperation of, of the countries in the Middle East and with the cooperation of BRICS. That's, that's the only way you're going to get to, yes. to any type of, of a ceasefire. Um, yes. I, I would say the Biden White House, instead of um, of trying to to put pressure on Netanyahu to not go into Rafa, and, and they've got the means to put pressure on Netanyahu to not go into Rafa. They've actually opted for the media solution, which is to try and paint a picture of a Biden that is cursing Netanyahu and that they don't get along. They're, they're, tr- they're trying to distance Biden so that when this disastrous uh, incursion happens, this, this invasion into, into Rafah, when it does happen, Biden can say, well, you know, I never liked Netanyahu anyway. I never got along with him anyway. So, you know, don't put the blame on me. It seems like they're, they're opting for the for the media optic solution instead yes. of just going to, to Netanyahu and, and, and putting a, a red line there saying, no, you can't go into Absolutely. Rafa. I, 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 um, completely, I completely yeah. agree. But of course, a, a, as a political strategy, it is a very strange one. I mean, you have a president who already looks, shall we say, fragile. <laughs> and you have him basically coming out, you know, your, your, his defences. Well, actually, I'm too weak <laughs> to do that, to, you know, to, to uh, impose a solution, to do things. I'm too weak. I can't control Netanyahu. Um, I'm too weak to do that. Um, going forward in an election, that might not be the most favorable look. Yeah, I mean, for the Biden White House, it makes sense, though. I mean, yeah, absolutely. whenever they're, they're presented with any type of difficulties, the options that they always take is, is, is to use the media. Yes, and always, to hide. instead of actually to having hide. to do the hard work. To hide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to hide, hide exactly. To hide behind the media. I mean, you know, they, they they do one thing, and they tell, they leave the media to think that they would write, rather like to see something else happen. And of course, it, it, as I said, it in this case, the one thing, as I said, it does do is it conveys weakness, and normally. That isn't a good look in an election year. But as you rightly say, what other option do they have? Well, of course, they do have one, or at least it's, not, in my opinion, an option. But um, it is an option that more and more people might be asking or calling for. We know who they are. They might say, look, we escalate. We back the Israelis aren't going to be called off. So we back them and we back them in every conceivable way that we can. We escalate. We've been escalating already. We're bombing the Houthis. We're bombing the uh, various militias in Syria and Iraq. So let's bomb even more and bomb even further because that's the only thing realistically that we can do that will assert again and show how strong we are. So, you know, don't, don't discount that. In the next couple of weeks, we might start to see those calls start to increase once again. Um, And um, bear in mind that one person who up to now has apparently acted as a force for restraint, who is the Secretary of Defence, is now back in hospital in intensive care. So he may not be there to restrain people um, in the way that he's been doing up to now. Yeah, good point. Very good point. Um, what does Egypt do? What does what does the region do? Um, and I and I focus in on Egypt because you have this the shared border. What yeah, I mean, I, if if this happens, I, 
I, I, I mean, I'm not an expert on the condition of the Egyptian military, but I, I can't imagine that they're in a position to do anything in, a, in military terms. Um, uh, what I think they're going to do is I think that they're going to all work together. All of the various Arab states are going to do more of what they've been doing. And they're going to start making further moves in the General Assembly. And I, I, I think that this is not the weak strategy that some people assume. As I said, if the general, it goes back to the General Assembly. The General Assembly starts taking steps under the Uniting for Peace procedure or starts making referrals to the International Criminal Court, then it's not a token thing. It would imply the final collapse of US influence in the Middle East. Just saying. I mean, people get upset because, uh, or they say it's a, it's a weak move because it's it's seen through, it, it has to go through the United Nations, so it has to go through all these processes, and, and, and it takes a lot of time. And, um, you know, this is time that, that the Palestinians don't, don't have. Yes, I know. But I mean, the alternative... that, that's why that's why people look at this as, as a weak move. Yes. On the, I mean, on the, the part al- of Egypt or the Arab states to go through the system. Absolutely true. But they are never very clear on what the alternative should be. I mean, there's talk about economic boycotts of the West. I mean, those would undoubtedly make life difficult for the West. It would make life very difficult for the Arabs as well, perhaps even more difficult. So I, I'm not sure that that would be a particularly good idea. That's the first thing to say. And of course, if you're talking about yourself seeking a wider war, in other words, trying to intervene militarily against Israel to prevent what's going on in Gaza, well, Israel is probably still the strongest military in the Middle East. The United States still backs it. It's an incredibly dangerous and very high-risk thing. And, of course, Israel, everybody presumes, has nuclear weapons. And that increases the risk even further. So I think that the Arab states and the Muslim states are right in taking the diplomatic approach. It is slow, obviously. But ultimately, it gets there. It may take time. And I accept Palestinians don't have that much time. But it's probably still the best thing to do. And Arab leaders will probably look to their own, make those calculations. And I think that is the course they will follow. They, will, they, do not, they still do not, in my opinion, want a wider war. If there is going to be a wider war, they don't want to be the ones who will initiate it. They would prefer that it was the Israelis or the Americans that did that. Uh, one final question. If you are Egypt and uh, Israel does enter into Rafah, they are saying, uh, the Israeli Defense Forces are saying that uh, they're they're going to evacuate. This is what they're saying. They're going to have to evacuate the civilians out of, out of Rafah. Uh, if you're Egypt, do you take those civilians in well, they've already said they won't. Or, or, I, mean, or, or, I mean, they've already made it absolutely yeah. okay. absolutely clear that they won't. And I think that is what the uh, troops that they've been deploying onto the border, uh, uh, that's what it's all about. And, of course, um, al-Sisi, the Egyptian president, who's had many, meet, uh, many conversations with Biden, Biden has had so many conversations with al-Sisi. 
and al-Sisi has spoken to Biden in such forthright terms that um, Biden um, um, mixes him up by now with the president of Mexico. <laughs> Just saying. But anyway, al-Sisi and Biden have spoken many times. And there are plenty of readouts now on the White House website in which Biden has said that um, there is not going to be any displacement of people from the Gaza, from Gaza, that the United States categorically rules that out. The word categorically is in those readouts and that the United States will oppose that. And I think al-Sisi will close the border. And if the Americans come back and say, well, you've got to open it, well, he's got all of those readouts to show. I think the next follow-up question is what happens to the people there then? Well, that's that's the problem. I mean, there will be... there will. Be, oh, by the way, the other thing that, of course, Al-Sisi will do is that he will uh, bring up all of these comments by people like Ben Gvir and Smartridge who are openly calling for the displacement, the permanent displacement of the people of Gaza. And um, Al-Sisi will say, look, you said to me, it mustn't happen. That's what the US has said. And the Israelis are giving me the reasons why it mustn't happen. Because if these people are driven out of Gaza, there is no going back. And that is contrary to international law. And we will oppose it. Well, what the Egyptians will say if there is massive violence and death in, uh, in Rafa is they will say, say again that there needs to be a ceasefire and that this military operation by the Israelis must be stopped. And again, al-Sisi will say, look, you're agreeing with me, Cameron, Biden, on their book, you're all saying that this operation in Rafa can't happen. The reason, by the way, Baerbock, uh, who up to now has been very pro-Israel, and Cameron, and all of these people are talking in this way, is because they know that if the Israelis attack Rafa, all of these things that we've been talking about, the moves in the UN, the possible moves by the ICC will happen. Uh, this, they're not, it's not the mass casualties in it's Rafa. It's political. It's, it's a political it's thing. It's politics. Exactly. It's politics, exactly. It's, it's going to be a huge political hit for, for all of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, they, they, they opened the door for this to happen. They took those disastrous decisions in October, which have led us precisely to this point. Yeah. All right. We will uh, end it there. The Duran.locals.com. We are on Rumble, Odyssey, BitChute, Telegram, Rockfin, and Twitter X and Go to the Durant shop, 15% off all t-shirts. Take care.